Chapter twenty eight, part two of the Children of the Abbey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Children of the Abbey by Regina Maria Roche. Chapter twenty eight, part two this point settled amanda fearful of being surprised conducted her softly to the hall door and immediately returned to the drawing-room where she found lady euphrasia just beginning rushbrook's letter for her mother's amusement its style evidently denoted the painful conflicts there were between pride and distress ere the former could be sufficiently subdued to allow an application for relief to the person who occasioned the latter the sight of a tender and beloved wife languishing in the arms of sickness and surrounded by a family under the pressure of the severest want had forced him to a step which on his own account no necessity could have compelled him to take he and his family he said had drank of the cup of misery to the very dregs he waived the claims of justice he only asserted those of humanity in his present application to her ladyship and these he flattered himself she would allow he had sent a young petitioner in his behalf whose tearful eye whose faded cheek were sad evidences of the misery he described the marchioness declared she was astonished at his insolence in making such an application and lady euphrasia protested the letter was the most ridiculous stuff she had ever read amanda in this as well as in many other instances differed from her ladyship but her opinion like a little project she had in view about the brushbrooks was carefully concealed out of the allowance her father made her for clothes and other expenses about ten guineas remained which she had intended laying out in the purchase of some ornaments for her appearance at a ball to be given in the course of the ensuing week by the duchess of b and for which at the time of invitation lord mortimer had engaged her for his partner to give up going to this ball to consecrate to charity the money devoted to vanity was her project and most fortunate did she deem the application of rushbrook ere her purchase was made and she consequently prevented from giving her might her soul revolted from the inhumanity of the marchioness her daughter and lady greystock exempt from the calamities of want themselves they forgot the pity due to those calamities in others if this coldness this obduracy she cried within herself is the effect of prosperity if thus it closes the avenues of benevolence and compassion oh never may the dangerous visitor approach me for ill should i think the glow of compassion and sensibility exchanged for all its gaudy pleasures the ladies had mentioned their intention of going to an auction where to use lady euphrasia's phrase they expected to see all the world amanda excused herself from being of the party saying she wanted to make some purchases in the city her excuse was readily admitted and when they retired to their respective toilets she sent for a coach and being prepared against it come 
immediately stepped into it and was driven to bond street where she found miss rushbrook with trembling anxiety waiting her arrival on their way to kensington the tenderness of amanda at once conciliated the affection and gained the entire confidence of her young companion she related the little history of her parents sorrows her father on returning from america with his wife and six children had been advised by mr heathfield the friend who had effected a reconciliation between him and his uncle to commence a suit against lady greystock on the presumption that the will by which he enjoyed sir jeffrey's fortune was illegally executed he offered him his purse to carry on the suit and his house for an habitation rushbrook gratefully and gladly accepted both offers and having disposed of his commission to discharge some present demands against him he and his family took up their residence under mr heathfield's hospitable roof in the midst of the felicity enjoyed beneath it in the midst of the hopes their own sanguine tempers and the flattering suggestions of the lawyers had excited a violent fever carried off their benevolent friend ere a will was executed in which he had promised largely to consider rushbrook his heir narrow and illiberal had long feared that his interest would be hurt by the affection he entertained for rushbrook and as if in revenge for the pain this fear had given the moment he had the power he showed his malignant disposition sold all the furniture of the house at kensington and as a great favour told rushbrook he might continue in it till the expiration of the half-year when it was to be given up to the landlord the lawyers understanding the state of his finances soon informed him he could no longer expect their assistance thus almost in one moment did all his pleasing prospects vanish and like the baseless fabric of a vision left not a rack behind as a duty he owed his family he tried whether lady greystock would make a compromise between justice and avarice and afford him some means of support her insolence and inhumanity shocked into the soul and as he left her presence he resolved never to enter it again or to apply to her this last resolution however only continued till the distresses of the family grew so great as to threaten their existence particularly that of his wife who overpowered by grief had sunk into a languishing illness which every day increased for want of proper assistance in hopes of procuring her some he was tempted again to apply to lady greystock the youth and innocence of his daughter would he thought if anything could do it soften her flinty heart besides he believed that pleasure at finding his pretensions to the fortune entirely withdrawn would influence her to administer from it to his wants we have said miss rushbrook as she concluded her simple narration tried and been disappointed in our last resource what will become of us i know not we have long been strangers to the comforts but even the necessaries of life we cannot now procure comfort cried amanda often arrives when least expected to despair is to doubt the goodness of a being who has promised to protect all his creatures the carriage had now reached kensington and within a few yards of rushbrook's habitation amanda stopped it she took miss rushbrook's hand and as she slipped a ten-pound note into it exclaimed i trust the period is not far distant when the friendship we have conceived for each other may be cultivated under more fortunate auspices miss rushbrook opened the folded paper she started and the hectic of a moment flushed her cheek oh madam she cried your goodness tears impeded her further utterance do not distress me said amanda again taking her hand by mentioning such a trifle 
was my ability equal to my inclination i should blush to offer it to your acceptance as it is considered as but the foretaste of the bounty which heaven has i doubt not in store for you she then desired the door to be opened and told her companion she would no longer detain her miss rushbrook affectionately kissed her hand and exclaimed you look like an angel and your goodness is correspondent to your looks i will not madam refuse your bounty i accept it with gratitude for those dearer to me than myself but ah may i not indulge a hope of seeing you again you are so kind so gentle madam that every care is lulled into forgetfulness whilst conversing with you i shall certainly see you again as soon as possible replied amanda miss rushbrook then quitted the carriage which amanda ordered back to town and bid the coachman drive as fast as possible they had not proceeded far when the traces suddenly gave way and the man was obliged to dismount and procure assistance from a public-house on the road in repairing them this occasioned a delay which greatly distressed amanda she wished to get home before the ladies lest if this was not the case her long absence should make lady greystock who was remarkably inquisitive inquire the reason of it and to tell her she had a strong objection convinced as she was that her ladyship's knowing she relieved objects so extremely disagreeable to her would occasion a quarrel between them which would either render a longer residence together impossible or highly disagreeable and to leave london at the present crisis when everything relative to lord mortimer was drawing to a conclusion was not to be thought of without the greatest pain at length the coachman remounted his box and the velocity with which he drove flattered her with the hope of reaching home as soon as she wished tranquillized by this hope she again indulged her imagination with ideas of the comfort her little bounty had probably given rushbrook and his dejected family so sweet to her so was the secret approbation which crowned her charity so preferable to any pleasure she could have experienced at a ball that even the disappointment she believed lord mortimer would feel from her declining it was overlooked in the satisfaction she felt from the action she had performed she was convinced he would inquire her reason for not going which she determined at present to conceal it would appear like ostentation she thought to say that the money requisite for her appearance at the ball was expended in charity and perhaps excite his generosity in a manner which delicacy at present forbade her allowing she asked the footman who handed her from the carriage whether the ladies were returned and on being answered in the affirmative inquired the hour and learned it was just in her time flurried by this intelligence she hastened to her chamber followed by the maid appointed to attend her who said lady greystock had inquired for her as soon as she came home amanda dressed herself with unusual expedition and repaired to the drawing-room where in addition to the family party she found lord mortimer free love miss malcolm and some other ladies and gentlemen assembled bless me child said lady greystock the moment she entered the room where have you been the whole day i declare miss fitzalan exclaimed lady euphrasia i believe you stole a march somewhere upon us this morning well cried miss malcolm laughing your ladyship must know that people generally have some important reason for stolen marches which they do not choose to divulge amanda treated this malicious insinuation with the silent contempt it merited and on lady greystock's again asking her where she had been said in a low hesitating voice in the city in the city repeated lord mortimer this sudden exclamation startled her she looked at him and perceived him regarding her with the most scrutinizing earnestness she blushed deeply as if detected in a falsehood and immediately bent her eyes to the ground the conversation now changed but it was some time ere amanda's confusion subsided 
lord mortimer indeed had a reason for his exclamation she little thought of he had met the marchioness and her companions by appointment at the auction but soon grew weary of his situation which the presence of amanda could alone have rendered tolerable he pleaded business as an excuse for withdrawing and hurrying home ordered his phaeton and proceeded towards kensington as he passed the coach in which amanda sat at the time the traces were mending he carelessly looked into it and directly recognized her lady euphrasia had informed him she excused herself from their party on account of some business in the city he never heard of her having any acquaintance in or about kensington and was at once alarmed and surprised by discovering her he drove to some distance from the carriage and as soon as it began to move pursued it with equal velocity till it reached town and then giving his phaeton in charge to the servant followed it on foot till he saw amanda alight from it at the marquis of roslands amanda had escaped seeing his lordship by a profound meditation in which she was engaged at the moment as she pensively leaned against the side of the coach lord mortimer walked back with increased disorder to meet his phaeton as he approached it he saw colonel belgrave by it on horseback admiring the horses which were remarkably fine and asking to whom they belonged his acquaintance with the colonel had hitherto never exceeded more than a passing bow now prompted by an irresistible impulse he saluted him familiarly inquired whether he had had a pleasant ride that morning and how far he had been no farther than kensington replied the colonel this answer was confirmation strong to all the fears of lord mortimer he turned pale dropped the reins which he had taken with an intention of remounting and without even noticing the colonel flew from the place and arrived at home almost in a state of distraction he was engaged to dine at the marquis's but in this first violence of his feeling resolved on sending an apology ere the servant however summoned for that purpose had entered his apartment he changed his resolution i will go said he though appearances are against her she may perhaps and he tried to derive some comfort from the idea be able satisfactorily to account for her being at kensington tortured by conflicting passions alternately hoping and doubting he arrived at portman square lady greystock and lady euphrasia dwelt with wonder on the length of amanda's morning excursion when she entered the room he thought she appeared embarrassed and that on lady greystock's addressing her this embarrassment increased but when she said she had been in the city her duplicity as he termed it appeared so monstrous to him that he could not forbear an involuntary repetition of her words so great indeed was the indignation it excited in his breast that he could scarcely forbear of reproaching her as the destroyer of his and her own felicity her blush appeared to him not the ingenuous colouring of innocence but the glow of shame and guilt it was evident to him that she had seen belgrave that morning that he was the occasion of all the mystery which had appeared in her conduct and that it was the knowledge of the improper influence he had over her heart which made sir charles bingley so suddenly resign her gracious heaven said he to himself who that looked upon amanda could ever suppose duplicity harboured in her breast yet that too surely it is i have every reason to suppose yet a little longer i will bear a torturing state of suspense nor reveal my doubts till thoroughly convinced they are well founded he sat opposite to her at dinner and his eyes were directed towards her with that tender sadness which we feel on viewing a beloved object we know ourselves on the point of losing for ever his melancholy was quickly perceived by the penetrating marchioness and lady euphrasia they saw with delight that the poison of suspicion infused into his mind was already beginning to operate they anticipated the success of all their schemes their spirits grew uncommonly elevated and lady euphrasia determined whenever she had the power to revenge 
on the susceptible nature of mortimer all the uneasiness he had made her suffer and to add as far as malice could add to it to the misery about to be the lot of amanda the dejection of lord mortimer was also observed by amanda it excited her fears and affected her sensibility she dreaded that his aunt had refused complying with his request relative to her interference with his father or that the earl had been urging him to an immediate union with lady euphrasia perhaps he now wavered between love and duty the thought struck a cold damp upon her heart yet no cried she it cannot be if inclined to change lord mortimer would at once have informed me in the evening there was a large addition to the party but lord mortimer sat pensively apart from the company amanda by chance procured a seat next his his paleness alarmed her and she could not forbear hinting her fears that he was ill i am ill indeed sighed he heavenly he looked at her as he spoke and beheld her regarding him with the most exquisite tenderness but the period was past for receiving delight from such an appearance of affection an affection he had reason to believe was never more than feigned for him and also from his emotions when with her that he should never cease regretting the deception his passions exhausted by their own violence had sunk into a calm and sadness was the predominant feeling of his soul though he so bitterly lamented he could not at the moment have reproached her perfidy he gazed on her with mournful tenderness and to the involuntary expression of regret which dropped from her on hearing he was ill only replied by saying ah amanda the man that really excites your tenderness must be happy amanda unconscious that any sinister meaning lurked beneath these words considered them as an acknowledgment of the happiness he himself experienced from being convinced of her regard and her heart swelled with pleasure at the idea any further conversation between them was interrupted by miss malcolm who in a laughing manner seated herself by lord mortimer to rally him as she said into good spirits End of chapter twenty eight part two